Hello. This episode turned into a bit of a whopper. It's uh, sitting at about one hour and 54 minutes, so you may not want to do it all at once. But we figured we'd rather give you more content. It's summer holidays, you might be lying by a beach, you might have kids swarming around you and you just want some peace and quiet. So rather than try to edit out 50 minutes, we've just left it all in. Gives you an idea of how much editing we do as well. So if you want to do it in two sittings, I would say try and make a break about 48 minutes in and then the next thing that you pick up will be the review of the two fibre festivals. Equally, if you just want to binge it, then binge away. Enjoy. sponsored by Linrow Knitting and Crochet and Knit It, Hook It, Craft It. You can find links to both companies from the show notes. Hello. Hello. Hello Faye and welcome to episode six of the Crochet Circle podcast which is called Shore to Shore and welcome to to Pom Pom the Cat. Yes. Just nestled quite nicely on the chair next he, to me. He's fed up because it's just too hot for him and he's seeking refuge in the, in the garage in I, my office. I don't think I've ever seen him so settled and quiet. Happy as it. He's been really quite antsy for the last few days because it's been so hot. Aww. He won't be in here for long because the, the heat builds up and then he'll bog off outside and <laughs> we'll find more mice to harass, I'm sure. <laughs> but yeah, he seems quite happy down there on his little cat bed. He is. So it's episode six, wow, moving on. How did that happen? (laughs) And uh, in this episode we have for you, yay crochet or nay crochet, we have a yarn review with Daughter of a Shepherd Hebridean Yarn, we have our usual magazine roundup, we'll be continuing with our crochet journeys and we'll be talking about how to plot your garment ready for sewing up. We have a comparison of two fibre festivals on either side of the pond, which is Wolfest and Houston Fibre Fest. We have our finished objects, our whip wall update, feeding the habit. We have a great giveaway <laughs> from Anna Nikopirovich, and we'll then finish off with what's good. Excellent. So, Faye, do you have a yay crochet or nay crochet this month? I've got a nay crochet. Okay. As you said, we were doing some Fibre Festival reviews and Lynn and I were at Rollfest, which we'll come on to later. And we've already been to Wonderwall, Wales. And my nay is that there isn't enough crochet content out there for people. So when you go to um, Fibre Festivals or you go into yarn websites, it's all about knitting, pretty much. And I just, I think they're missing the trick, really. I think Mm -hmm. they're forgetting that there's a whole sector within this industry that uses yarn, that uses nice yarn, and they're not really being catered for at the festivals or online or sometimes even in local yarn stores as well. It's still all about knitting. I think as well, it is really. And I know it's easy to assume if you are a knitter or a crocheter that you already know that actually you can use 
any type of yarn for both knitting and crochet but if you are new to crochet you don't actually realize no. that because that's one of the first things that people ask in my classes is what yarn do I need to buy so they don't realize that you can use the same yarn for both knitting and crochet yeah. they will assume if it's on a knitting stall and everything else around it is knitting oh well that's for knitting with yeah so and, yeah it is. Mm. But it is a shame and like you say I think it's a missed opportunity yes it is and I know that it's not just me I know you get the same I know people within wool gathering sandbatch that are crocheters and they are predominantly crocheters there they feel the same way and actually one of the reviews that we've had for another fibre festival on our Ravelry thread is Kerry from Australia and she's just been to another wool show over there and that was her feeling like the one downside of the wool show was that just not enough crochet content everything's kind of aimed at knitters mm -hmm. so that's but what we need more yep. crochet content well, watch this yarn festivals. this is what you and i will be doing <laughs> well we'll be so. at yarndale won't we fair yep. with our waving the banner for crochet yeah. so that's a good start you know and there are, there are other people that are doing it as well yeah. we've got the lovely cat golden and um Jonas grace and there are a few other people but i just feel like crochet needs a bit more attention yeah. on it so that's my bit of a grumble but not not too horrendous something that can be you know tackled though not too negative yeah it's easily yeah. addressed yeah so for me i have a yay crochet um mainly just to say a big thumbs up for all the people that are crocheting up some lovely garments and accessories and things that we've seen through our coming through our ravelry board and the inspiration that they then give to others from posting the projects online yeah. i really been en enjoying looking at our discussion boards and seeing what lovely finished objects people are posting up and also noticing how adaptable crochet is yes. it's much more adaptable for knitting because what people seem to do it's quite a common thing is they might take an aspect of one design but then make something else with it so i think the lady called joe the joe jojo twinkle toes lady <laughs> She posted a couple of blankets that she made. It was one of my designs, actually, for Women's Weekly. But then she took one of the blanket squares and made a really nice cushion and just did a granny square back on the cushion and then joined it round and popped a border on. So it's really adaptable. She didn't have to, you know, she felt confident enough to do that from yeah. having made the blanket. And then I think there's a couple of lovely Aberfoyle cardigans on the discussion board both really lovely and one has a three-quarter length sleeve one has a long full length sleeve mm -hmm. now I'm not sure in the pattern I forgot to check before I came out whether those options are included but I'm pretty sure I've seen the pattern with a short sleeve so I'm thinking have people just adapting the length of the sleeve to suit themselves which is really easily done in crochet and if you make a mistake you just rip it out yeah not like knitting where you think oh gosh you know it seems to be a never-ending task when you're ripping something out so yeah that's what I've been, been enjoying really and getting quite a lot of inspiration from it's really nice to see what people are making and Instagram has been a great source of that um, so Lynn runs the Twitter account for the crochet circle and I run the Instagram account and it's just it's wonderful to see all the photos coming through and, and also how much support there is for people online and it's a great way of actually showing the designers what you've made with their pattern 
and getting feedback from them as well. I, I really like it for that. And just yeah. being able to instantly see what somebody has made has been fab. And sometimes the journey right the way through as well. So you're seeing almost every stage of their project. Yeah, I do love Instagram. I think it's just so quick flick through the photographs and the visual photograph just is a lot nicer and then more enjoyable than having to kind of read through Twitter. It is. Actually, the other thing I find is because it's photograph based, it's a lot more positive. Yeah. Twitter can be a bit of a rant station. And at times. Facebook is really And Facebook bad. as well. Yeah. And actually, Instagram is just infinitely more positive yeah, because is. people are posting nice stuff and it's. Uh, I really love Instagram. And uh, to begin with, I didn't really understand it. And now, yeah, I'm slightly obsessed with it. I'm obsessed. One of the last things I do before I go to sleep at night is I have a very quick look at Instagram because of the very reason you just mentioned. It makes me feel quite positive. Yeah. I have a quick flick and I'm like, oh, that's oh, what a lovely photograph. It always amazes me that people are still posting photographs at, yeah. at late at night and then I wake up and they've already <laughs> posted and you think, oh, have you slept? Yeah, probably not. <laughs> No, it makes me feel quite happy and then go to bed feeling positive. So that was our yay crochet or nay crochet. And so we're going to move on to our yarn review, which this month we both received a um, 10 gram mini squeeze. We both received a 10 gram <laughs> mini squeeze. Mini squeen. That could be the new name for it. Mini squeen. <laughs> We both received a 10 gram mini skein from Rachel Atkinson, who is the developed her own yarn, Daughter of a Shepherd, and is a Hebridean breed, 100% uh, British, and the, the sheep are from her own father's flock, which is a really nice story. So there was quite a lot of activity around yeah. Rachel's product, and she sent us the little mini skeins to just have a go at crochet. So we both did that. Um, what did you think of it, Faye? Well, this is kind of blend number two for her. So her first blend, which was launched at Edinburgh Yarn Festival, was 100% Hebridean. And this one is 75% Hebridean, 25%. Go on, Faye, say it. Zwartbles. I don't know what, which... Well, I'm, I'm now so like concerned about doing accents on the podcast <laughs> that I really want to go into a Dutch, but I'm not. I'm doing no. it's smart place. Yeah. <laughs> Look at me behaving. That's what the the mix is. So it's slightly different from the from the first batch, which you and I both have a hundred grams of. So we will be playing further with that further down the line. It's um, DK. And I I really enjoyed working with it. The, I think the ball band suggests that you can go between a three point five and a four point five mil hook or needle, and I had a real play with it just on different textures to see what I preferred it as. And it's it's it can be quite dense on the mm -hmm. smaller hook or needle size, and I actually took it up to a five mil hook as well just to see how much it opened up the structure, and then I settled on the four point five. Um, mill hook uh, and you have to remember that I'm quite a tight crocheter so for others they may only need a four mil hook on it yeah I, I really liked it I used a four mil hook I think I tried first of all with a 3.5 and I just felt it was a little bit too dense so yeah. I moved up to a four and I was much happier yeah I, f I felt that with the smaller hook size you weren't necessarily getting the beauty of the of the yarn you weren't seeing the structure of it and the staple length 
and the subtle colours weren't coming through. And when I say subtle, I mean they're really subtle. You have to look for them because it's a really deep, rich, dark, dark, dark brown, nearly black yarn. Yeah, I thought when I was um, when I unravelled the little mini skein to to wind into a ball, and it was against the carpet, which is like a creamy colour. It just reminded me of treacle. Like yes, yeah, that's not very quite good. licorice because licorice is a is probably more black do you know what do you know when you tear licorice yeah and you get that brownie bit it is that's that's it that's it isn't it but it's slightly darker yeah Yeah, it's it's really really lovely and 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 from a distance you could have mistaken it for being black but no i thought i'd decided it was more like treacly bit licorice so yeah i really enjoyed working with it i made a little basket 10 grams wasn't a massive amount to work with but it was enough that I could really get a feel for the yarn so I made a little basket because I'm forever losing my measuring tape in the office so it's now got a little home it's got its own special daughter of a shepherd (laughs) basket but what that allowed me to do was check some lace weight with it but also check how structural it is so were this a, a finer shorter staple length wool there's no way that I would be able to get a stand-up basket like the one that I've got but actually this wool gives really good structure and this thing stands up on its own and I suspect I could have made a much larger basket and it still would have stood up because the wool gives such good structure and it shows lace up really nicely as long as you go for quite a big patterned mm-hmm. lace because although it's DK it's it's quite a structured DK um, so compared to other DK weight yarns, you might need to open up the pattern a little more and go for big lace rather than really fine, intricate stuff that might show with other yarns. Yeah, I made, um, first of all, I used it to make a bookmark. I started out thinking I'll make a bracelet, but I decided I'd use it better. I'd use it more as a bookmark. Mm-hmm. Um, but equally, I found it really firm, which is what I wanted for the yeah. bookmark. I did make the same bookmark with some four-ply alpaca for another project, and they were quite soft. Uh, nice for a bookmark, don't get me wrong, but I much prefer my Hebridean bookmark yeah. um, because it's just really lovely. And it smells so Oh, the smell. Glorious. Just as soon as I started to unwind the mini skein and then wind it off into a ball, I was like, oh, this smells really nice. Yeah. I like this. It's like sweet sheepy. Yeah. It's nice. And then I think I made the bookmark to the length that I wanted and I still had quite a bit left and I just about managed to make a three round mini mandala. And then I thought, oh, how can I make this, how can I show this off to the best advantage? So what I did was I um, had a little mooch in the wool nest and remembered I had some fabric that I'd bought from Eliza Conway at Yarndale maybe a couple of years ago, like a woolen, almost felted fabric. And I made a little pink cushion. It's and lovely. I, it's lovely. I was it's so really pleased. Sweet. And it shows off having the cream background. Yeah. With, with the, the Daughter of a Shepherd on the front, it yeah. really shows off the lace work beautifully. It's really nice. I'm absolutely chuffed to bits, really, with both projects. They've both worked really well. And I love how, mixed in with the very deep, treacly coloured um, fibres, there's odd little light fibres yeah. as well. You tend to get um, like some greyer because it can get bleached a little bit by the sun. Yeah. So um, I think it really depends on the fleece. 
but yeah, you just, you'll get the occasional, the occasional yeah, staple that shows few. through. Looks a bit like my hair before I've had it dyed. <laughs> I'm still in that stage where I'm plucking them out going, you don't exist. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just wait for another couple of years. Yeah, for me. Sure. <laughs> you'll either be bald or you'll have to die in. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I'm just, I'm going to go grey, that's what I've decided. I'm, I'm just going to accept it. <laughs> so, um, so yes, I made those two things, a, a pin cushion and a bookmark. Yeah. And yeah, I definitely use it for crochet. The only thing that, that I have a problem with, and this is nothing to do with the yarn itself, is that I have really sensitive skin. It's not been so bad lately. I do kind of go through little periods where it can be really bad for some reason. And I was a little bit worried, thinking, okay, this is an animal fibre. I might not be able to breathe in, a, in another 15 minutes. But nothing bad happened. I didn't seem to have any allergic reactions because I have quite a bad reaction with cats. So I'm alright at the moment with pom pom next She's to me. She's about two foot away from yeah. pom pom. But the door is open, so I've yeah. got a bit of fresh air coming, so that's fine. So for me, I was a little bit worried, but no, I was absolutely fine. Yeah. You managed to make two things, and I had a little bit left after I've made my um, my measuring tape ball. So I made some leaves with the daughter of a shepherd, and I also had some Jacob left over from. Uh, another project that I'd been working on so I made myself a coffee cup holder because it's inevitable sometimes I do have to get take out coffee and whilst I don't like to it happens so to try and minimize the impact of having a cup mm -hmm. I always have these little coffee knitted or crocheted coffee cup holders in my handbags various handbags and so I made one um, using some of the daughter of a shepherd and it was just it was really nice to have one project that I didn't motion block yeah. because I don't need to with the measuring tape bowl and then but with the coffee cup holder I thought I'll motion block that and see if there's a difference and there is of course it's softer and um, it's it's lovely to touch anyway but it's definitely softer to touch and I suspect that with more handling more washing actually it would just soften and soften and soften. I mean, I put that next to my skin, and again, normally when something's going to happen, I can instantly feel the prickliness of, of a fabric or a fibre, and I think, oh no, I can't, I can't have that. You know, even if it's a cardigan and I try it on in a shop and I, and it's a hundred percent wool, I may or may not be able to buy it because of the prickliness. Mm -hmm. I didn't feel it greatly, so you know, I think it is a potential. I think the other option that I could use is mixing it with, like you have with another yarn and or another even another type of fiber and i know that rachel has a ravelry group and lots of people on there have been posting the starts of their projects yeah. with daughter of a shepherd yarn and they've been mixing it with other yarns too so that's an option for me is to then not have it around the top edge of of say a shawl but have it deeper into the v, into the v. so that you can show off the yarn use something really nice but then it won't be around my neck so I won't have a problem just need to think on that but yeah well, if you want some inspiration on what to use the yarn for I'd pop along to Rachel's Ravelry group and see what there is yeah. um, I have got a skein of DK and it's in a bright electric blue I think it might be in the photos from the show notes from this time I got it from John Arbin at Woolfest and it's really bright and actually if you pin that beside the the licorice brown of this 
they would go fantastically well together and I think you could probably do the same with quite a rich red as well mm. mustard it would actually really pay it off with so many colours and my feeling is having put it beside the Jacob allowing it to peel off with another colour really brings it to life and I think it just helps to bring out the natural beauty mm. of the yarn I'm not saying you would have to take it with a colour but having done it I, th I think it really allows it, it to come yeah, alive yeah it's a benefit yeah. yeah and I think it's 18 pounds a skein it so is, yeah. for me I think that's probably the most expensive skein of yarn I've ever bought so I need to make something really nice with it. Do you know what that I'm I'm not, I know you're not going to say anything there, Faye, because it won't be yours. I'm just wondering what mine is. It was probably some possum yarn that I bought in New Zealand. Yeah. Yeah. I won't go any further. So really, to be honest, I wouldn't make a bookmark and a pin cushion with it no. from a whole skein. I would use that for something really special. But it was really nice that Rachel sent us a 10 gram mini skein so that we could have a nice little play. And the things we've made are really cute. Yes, it takes loose work, it crochets up beautifully. Brilliant. Yeah. And it particularly, I think, works well on a bigger hook size. Yeah. I very much enjoyed working with it. And uh, it's, um, it's given me the inspiration to now use up my first batch hank and i think i'm going to crochet up a, a really nice shawl with it yeah, but i'm, I'm going nice. to mix it so i need to check my electric blue see if it's the right blend and make sure that i've got the right yarn to pair it up with it and i definitely want to pair it up i might have yeah yeah i'm i was wondering whether to make myself a pair of mittens I, i'm not sure i'm not 100 percent decided yet and if i did i think they might be knitted but just because I've got a nice design that mm -hmm. I'd like to to use but if not I think again I'd do a crochet shawl and pair it up with something else so I'm really looking forward to like you say it's given me the inspiration to use the yarn now yeah because it's, it's been sat there since March yeah mine has too so yeah so that's our review of Rachel's yarn so Rachel has a website she has a blog called my life in knitwear and she also has the Daughter of a Shepherd website as well. So I'll put all the links to Rachel's, um, to where you can find Rachel in the show notes. Brilliant. Okay. So if we move on now to our magazine roundup, we're a bit early recording this month because I go on holiday, which I don't mind saying because I'll be back by the time the podcast goes live. So yeah, I'm away next week. We've got four magazines. We've got Simply Crochet, issue 47, Crochet Now issue 4, Love to Knit and Crochet issue 4 and Let's Get Crafting issue 83 and across all the magazines we've got still got quite a nice summery bright feel across all of yeah. them really. Um, we've chosen our favourite projects from each mag which we'll list in the show notes and put you links to any of the patterns um, and where you can get hold of the magazines. Uh, but overall, Faye's favourite was a cowslip parsley garland. This was in Simply Crochet and it was designed by Emma Mitchell and it's actually a free pattern download. So on the back page of Simply Crochet, it gives you uh, Emma's website where you can download the free pattern. So Faye loves cowslip parsley. Yeah, it's just one of my favourite things. It, it, to me, it shows that spring is well and truly developing it's one of the first things that comes up and you get any structure and height from i love the structure of it in the same vein i really love teasels as well i like quite artistic plants yeah 
are almost like big fireworks mm-hmm. so I love alliums as well and agapanthus and it just fits into that range and I, it's something that I was thinking about designing anyway and so when I saw it I was like oh yeah. well that's fine I don't yeah, need to decide anymore <laughs> I will just make their version so I might not make it as a garland I might try and make some actual um, cow parsleys that are flat yeah but that can be I think the garland up. is a collection of flat um, yes. pieces and then they're joined together so yeah, yeah that should be quite I, easy I to adapt I just think I can adapt it yeah. and I, might, I might adapt it and make use it to um, dress the stand up a little bit at your deal. So yeah, and, but it's just, it's one of my favourite flowers and given it was something that I was looking to design, just perfect that somebody yeah. else has put the legwork in. Brilliant. So yeah, that's Emma Mitchell and her website is called Silver Pebble. So again, I'll put the um, information in the show notes. And for me, across all of those four magazines, my favourite was um, a a garment in Lutton it and crochet so it's on page 34 and it's a lace shirt so it's like a button down shirt so it looks like it's a little bit fitted which mm. that's what I liked about it and it has a collar like a proper shirt which is quite unusual yeah. thing. I've not seen a crocheted collar on a garment before and it is like a proper shirt yeah. collar it just looks like a shirt and that's I think that's what drew me to it because a lot of crochet garments can be very unflattering <laughs> they're just almost like two squares joined together yeah. and you think oh well I, I don't tend to wear that sort of baggy things as, as such a quite like fitted things so yeah it's a clamshell pattern so it creates like a sheer effect so it'd be nice to wear over a t-shirt like a best top or something like mm-hmm. that so uh, I think it uses about four to five hundred grams of four ply cotton yarn so, so is that another garment oh, I think you know I've got my Aquafoil cardigan. I've yeah. still not finished my Lisa sweater, but I'm moving on a little bit with that. And so this would be another, definitely be another um, potential for me. They're all coming out of the woodwork. Yeah. When we initially complained and said there's nothing contemporary out there, actually there's quite a lot of stuff coming through, which there I'm are. really pleased to see. I think you just got to look through the magazines and then you might pass over things yeah, and then yeah, you have you another might go look. Through 100 before yeah. you find one that's really yeah. kind of So yeah, that was my interest. that was my favorite and again we'll um I'll check with um the magazine if we can pop a picture in the show notes as well or if it's on Ravelry I'll just post a link there for those two yeah. projects. So that was our review of the magazines this month. And next we've got our crochet journey. So Faye, you finish your Lyala top. Yeah, that's well and truly. That's all done, just been worn many times. Yep. I'm still fevering away with my Lisa sweater. So every now and again when I've got a bit of spare time, which I have to admit at the moment isn't very often because Faye and I are working on a book. And I have my book with Search Press, but um, you know I am conscious that I do want to have it finished for Yarndale. Yeah. So yeah, I think I will get there. You're I'm not working worried. on it. At, yeah, um, gathering. Yes, I take week, it. Do you, yeah. You've come along. You must be on yeah. two. How many balls now? At three. I'm on the third ball, so I'm nearly halfway there. Not, not bad. Still got all of August. 
most of September. I think I'll be there. You'll be raped. Right. Yeah, I might even be on tonight. Have a four cardigan. I desperately, oh. desperately want to start on that. That's the problem, isn't it? When you've got something else yeah. you really want to do. Yeah. But finish off the first one first. So um, we were going to talk this month about blocking. I'm not going to go into a huge amount of depth about blocking because there's lots of tutorials on the internet, lots of people talking about it. So I don't really want to go on and on because we'd just be repeating what everyone else has yeah. said. But there are just a couple of things I wanted to point out and perhaps a couple of little myths that maybe put my sort of angle onto those and um, a few little tips for last minute blocking that I use, little yeah. cheats. So like everything really with crochet and knitting as well, there are some aspects of blocking that are just a personal preference. So um, I like to spritz or spray my work with cold water. So I, I put, um, I buy one of those spray bottles that people tend to use for gardening or whatever. Uh, fill it with water and just spray on put, put a towel on the floor place my piece on the towel and then spray with this water with cold water until it's pretty wet not completely saturated com so if you dipped it in a bowl of water and lifted it up that's like completely mm -hmm. saturated but wet enough to then I then gently with my hands just press ease the water by pressing into the fibres and when I'm happy that it feels wet, like if I do that and it still feels a bit dry, I'll spray it again. So that then, once it feels wet enough, I can then pin it out to the dimensions required. And even if, if I don't need to stretch my piece, if it's already at the dimensions necessary, I will still wet it, but I won't stretch it to pin it out. I'll literally just pin it out as it is without pulling the stitches any further. Because one of the things you have to be aware of is if you overstretch your crochet or knitted fabric, there's no going back because it has memory. Your uh, wool has a memory, so once even once you've blocked it out, if you then wash it, it should spring back to the, to the way it was blocked. And that's why people say there's no point block, blocking acrylic because it doesn't have memory. It's a man-made fibre, so you know once you wash it it's the kind of memory's gone i do block acrylic still just because i feel as though blocking sets the stitches all so you know a bit like years ago when ladies used to go to the hairdressers <laughs> <laughs> and put an and alien yeah, hat on their heads yeah. i love now the pictures that you see from the 1970s you've been under one of them they're really hot, hot. i don't know how they didn't just get frazzled or, or spontaneously combust or something underneath what what was all that about what what a painful process to go through with rubbish magazines yeah and they literally sat for hours and hours while the, the while the row that so basically the hair was rolled up. I used to go to my nan's with my mum on a Thursday when I was a small girl. So in the school holidays, we'd get the bus to the other side of Warrington, which was a fair trek, but we'd walk to town, which was about a 20 minute walk, jump on the bus to the other side of Warrington to go to my nan's. So we'd get there, and the reason that we went was for my mum to set my nan's hair. 
so <laughs> she'd have all these little teeny tiny rollers I think they were called hairpin rollers yeah. and they were bendy with the little with the elastic band yes, bit that came around exactly but then there'd be little tissue papers as well so yeah, they'd so be they in, almost yeah. like um, Rizzlers like yeah that's what yeah um, roll up cigarette papers yeah so my mum would then have this comb which was like a lethal weapon no, with the pointy end <laughs> yeah. it's like a knitting needle yeah and then she'd separate all my nan's hair into sections using the pointy end which looked really painful but I'm sure my mum was quite gentle with it but uh, I don't know who knows <laughs> and then she'd get she'd somehow have this system going that was really great where she'd get the paper and the roller and somehow roll the hair up and really tighty though yeah. it must have been painful it must have been and then my nan would have like a head full of rollers but then people would just put the headscarves on and go to the shops oh, yeah. wouldn't they well it's no different from the juicy tracksuit wearers yeah, these days if you thing. ever go to liverpool on a saturday afternoon and it isn't I'm not wishing to be rude here, but I go. I frequently go to Liverpool, Birmingham, Manchester, Chester, and I see this more in Liverpool than I do mm-hmm. anywhere else. Because when they go out in Liverpool, they are dressed to the nines. So you see them all during the daytime with their big hair curlers and in juicy tracksuits <laughs> on. Although it seems to be the big camouflage thing at the moment, and then you know that they are going out that night because their hair are up and they're in the middle of the town, totally made up yeah. with their hair and curlers it's ready for their big night out. It's on the comeback, but the curls are just bigger. They're just bigger. So, but what that did was it set your hair, and then so so then with the rollers on, you'd then go under the alien hair dryer thing, (laughs) and that would set your hair. Is this your alternative? This is is what I always think of when I block things. It's like I'm setting the stitches. You see, and kind of think it is necessary because it, it just finishes things off and makes them look really nice. I think particularly if you've got a garment that you're pulling together because you want to get the measurements right just to make your your finishing easier. I've actually done it with acrylic but completely wet blocked a, a garment. I think it was that 20% wool, 80% acrylic and um, I did it because I'd made this garment over a series of months and the tension was a little bit different one to the other. And it did help me to pin it out and dry it so that then when I was finishing it off, it was even because I'd pinned them yeah. to exactly the same measurements. So, yeah, that's what it does. It, it just finishes off your garment. So even if it's acrylic, you know, still I would still recommend to do it. You don't just block lace to I mean, you, you have to block lace to open the lace out. You, there are things you do have to block to finish them off so that they look like they, they were meant to look but even if you're not making a, you know you're not creating a lacy pattern I would still recommend to find the, the your favorite way to block Faye you use wet blocking I so you block literally everything yeah that I've got a few reasons for doing that one is most of the projects that I work on are 100% wool it's unusual for me to have anything that's got acrylic in it and mm-hmm. if it is it tends to be socks also my temperature runs really warm so I'm hot I'm really hot-blooded person Mm -hmm. which means that like today I'm stood crocheting as we're talking and I'm using a chunky Icelandic wool and I can feel my fingertips are sweaty my not my sweaty palms but my fingertips are sweaty because I'm clutching a hook and I'm clutching Mm -hmm. wool so all of that has been transferred into my work now if that's something that I'm going to pass on to somebody yeah I really don't 
Oh, I don't want to pass over a sweaty beast mess of a, <laughs> of a project. I want, yeah, I want it to be nice and clean. Also, a lot of the stuff that I crochet up, I take photos of either for the company or for, for the podcast. Yeah. So I tend to wet block everything and I give it a good wash in a, in a wool wash. Yeah, I was going to say, do you add something to it? I do. do wet blocking? It's one that I got from Iceland, actually. It's Alifoss's own wash it's really mild it doesn't give off lots of suds and I just use that lukewarm water a couple of drops of that because you don't need a lot of it and then I just submerge it for 20 minutes and then um, go and go back and get it rinse it out gently and then um, I gently squeeze that excess water wrap it in a towel yeah. roll it up in the towel and then what I do is stand on the towel I do so exactly I do like the a same. paddy dance it's like a proper little workout Actually, we'll we'll can take it. Yeah. Um, and it's something I remembered doing as a child as well when my mum had um, hand washed bits and pieces. Uh, so I do that, and then I block it out. I've got the blocking mats, and I, I pin everything out yeah. to, like to precision because yeah, as we noticed. know, I'm very specific. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm very precise with my blocking. But mainly because I want if I put that much effort into making the thing. I don't see the point in not putting the last five percent into it. Yeah, because it really does help to just make your work look really professional. Yeah, I think it, it completely. And again, even stuff that you think is already beautifully soft wool. So a really good example would be Erica Knight's British Blue wool that I've been doing a lot of work with. That is blueface Leicester, so already a really soft wool. And I blocked one and didn't block the other just to see what the difference was. And it's soft to begin mm. with. But the softness after washing and blocking was incredible, and I just thought, well, why wouldn't I? Well, why wouldn't I do that for everything? And if you come to block, uh, to wash or to wet block your garment or your piece of crochet, and you don't happen to have any of the specific soak washing products, what I tend to use is um, a bath gel. So yeah, you don't necessarily have to go out and buy anything too specific but just try and find something that's quite mild in the house, yeah. like a mild shampoo or a mild body wash or something and, like and that. And some people do the same thing. don't use anything, they just use the powder yeah. of water yeah. and, and that works very well. mild agitation mm -hmm. with their fingers. Yeah, but not too, too much agitation because you might then felt it. So it's just a learning process really and you'll find your, your own method really and I've, I've come across so many people that previously didn't block their work and then they blocked the first piece and went oh i get it now i understand why you block stuff and you don't need to block everything like i don't block socks because they're going on my feet i yeah. don't wash them after i've um, knitted or crocheted them but if it is something that's going to be directly on your skin or a garment that you're going to have to make up in particular i would thoroughly recommend blocking be it acrylic or pure wool whatever you're doing just yeah. to get your measurements right and so when you're going into the next stage of finishing it and making it up and sewing it up you're giving yourself the best possible chance of getting that 100% right. Uh, a lot of the projects that I finish are for magazines which do quite a lot of close-up photography so it is actually essential that I block things. So we've covered spray blocking or spritzing sometimes it's called and we've covered the wet blocking that Faye likes to use. 
sometimes when I'm really desperate, uh, say it could be two o'clock in the afternoon and I need to post a project and I'm still working on it and I've not finished putting it together <laughs> and I haven't blocked it and I'm panicking like mad. So what I then do is I will use an iron. Now, you have to be really careful with blocking with a, an iron because you can easily ruin the whole project. So you never allow, the, there are some rules, you never allow the iron to actually touch the fabric. And the reason is because it will just make the yarn loose, it will overstretch it and then there's no going back, especially if it's acrylic, you, you've lost it forever. I think my mum decided, my mum's sister made my mum a really nice cabled cardigan in acrylic yarn. My mum irons everything really presses hard with the iron and she has an ironing cloth but she had this lovely cardigan that her sister had spent hours and hours yeah. and hours making and she washed it and she ironed it and I said but why did you iron it well I ironed everything when it was acrylic and it, it was enormous it yeah. just she had to I don't know what she, whether she gave it to away to someone else but it was absolutely enormous so yeah ruined forever yeah so what I tend to do is if I'm really desperate switch the iron on get the steam going and then place my project on the ironing board cover it with a cloth just to be on the safe side and then I will hold the iron about six inches above and just press the steam button steam over and over again so that the, the steam penetrates through the cloth it's only a thin cloth that I use like mm -hmm. an old tea towel it gets thinner by the week and then I'll take the cloth off and you know the, the steam will have penetrated through to the um, knitted or crocheted fibres underneath the problem then I've got is that it's still quite damp and I've got to package it up and post mm -hmm. it probably within an hour so I might have to hair dry it <laughs> or you know put the heating on and, and not, I don't ever put it directly on a radiator again I would hang it in front so that sometimes works but the hairdryer always works or yeah. if it's a nice sunny day I can pop it in the conservatory and it will hopefully dry out or pop it outside as you say I've left mine out not, yeah not in direct sunlight but if it's a nice day and that, that dries it off fairly yeah. rapidly and then so so I know a lot of people say don't steam block acrylic or don't use an iron with acrylic you can do mm -hmm. it you just have to be careful yeah. and use the cloth you and don't, don't just, touch it with the iron yeah it doesn't get any direct heat on it yeah and especially if I've used fair isle for a project and that's been acrylic yarn as well then the steam blocking method really just helps to make the stitches all look nice and even and just yeah. finish it all off really well so yeah i can i can recommend it but you just have to be really really careful when i've done my steam blocking and the garment or, or the fabric is wet it wet enough to pin out again i just pin it out as i normally would if i'd spray sprayed it with cold mm -hmm. water just pin it out and leave it to dry if it doesn't need stretching if it's acrylic i don't even pin it i just literally lie it flat and leave it to dry yeah. The blocking mats that I use, so when I first started knitting and crocheting, I thought the ones that you can get from a very popular knitting needle manufacturer, I thought there must be something extra special about them because they were £25 for, I think it was either six or nine, and I couldn't believe that they would be charging that much if they weren't super duper amazing and any different from the ones that you get from, say, Toys R Us or the Early Learning Centre, and they're exactly the same. Wow. And the ones at Early Learning Centre Toys R Us are probably, I think they're about £5. Yes, they are. Yeah. yeah. 
And they're like a jigsaw, aren't they? And it's a jigsaw. And the ones from this knitting manufacturing site, I am fairly convinced, because I even know exactly where they're made in China, are exactly the same, but they're just just remarketed with a bit of paper around Mm. them. So you're paying £20 for a bit of paper going around them with their branding on it. So if you're ever tempted and you look at them like I foolishly did, and you think, well, there must be something really amazing about them because of the price tag, there is no difference. There really... There really isn't. See, I don't have the blocking mats. I keep looking out for them and I keep forgetting to buy some. Oh, and I was just going to look in, we have home bargains across the road. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure I've seen them in there, in the children's section where they have all the colouring things. So I'll keep my eye out. But what I've been using is my uh, yoga mat that's stuck yeah, in the cupboard. Perfect. You know, the roly up ones. Mm-hmm. And I just roll it out and pin onto that. It's absolutely brilliant because it's long. Then I can roll it up and just pop it back in the cupboard. Mm, so yeah, different choices for you there, yeah, for your blocking mat. But what I would say as well is it will always take more pins than you think it does. So before you even start on something like a garment, make sure you have enough pins and that your pins are good and quality and you're going to be happy enough using them. My Leala top took 300 pins. Wow. I was just short. I think it was like 291 pins. But the, the pins as well, you need to be careful that your pins are not too thick if you've got something quite delicate yeah. you don't want to puncture your lovely crocheted work that you've been working on for hours and hours with sort of the thicker pins that are not very pointy because it can split the yarn and it can ruin yeah, things so make sure when that you have different pins for different projects and That's also make sure say. that your pins are rust proof yes i course. know other people have pinned out their products especially if you're wet blocking something um, the last thing that you want is to have like a beautiful white shawl or something that you've spent forever on and then find that you've got rust marks on it. So I would I would say quality will out. Yeah. That it's one of those things if you've put that much time and effort into it, make sure you've got the best um blocking pins that you can get. Yeah. And enough of them. Also the cheaper pins as well, they do bend. I mean yeah, I they do. I I sometimes pin things just to the floor, to the to the carpet in, in another room where I know nobody's going to go walking along. But the only thing with that is pinning into the carpet, it can bend your pins. Yeah. So a blocking mat is obviously better, but if you don't have a blocking mat, you could block it out on a, on a bed or something, you know, just a, a big surface. Yeah. But uh, yeah, your, your pins are quite critical as well, rust proof and the right thickness, good quality. I'd say the other beauty that I have with the blocking mat is I can pick stuff up and move it. So if people come round, I can quickly shunt it into the living room. Or if there's a good drying day, I can move the thing outside and lay it flat outside as well. So it does give me more versatility mm-hmm. having it on blocking mats. Yeah. Or it can go on top of a radiator as well if it's on gently. So it, yeah. horses for courses, whatever you've got, I'm sure, is fine. Um, but if you're looking to buy certain products, I would do a bit of background research into yeah. it and not automatically think that branded stuff is going to be your best thing to get. Yeah. So the only other thing that Faye and I do differently with blocking is weaving in our ends. So Faye, you said you tend to sew your ends in first. No, I no, do, you after. do it afterwards. Sorry. Yeah. You do yours afterwards. So you block everything out and then you weave your ends yes. in. Yes. Because you said you found that sometimes when you stretch it and block it, that the ends come loose a little just bit. Get a little yeah. And then I'm just doing double work then, aren't yeah, I? Because I've done it, cut it 
blocked it, the ends start poking out again and then I just have to yeah. cut them again. So So that sounds quite sensible to me. So I do the opposite <laughs> thing. <laughs> I tend to weave all my ends in first and then I block it. So again, it, there's no right or wrong here. No. It's just a personal preference as with lots of things with knitting and crochet. So yeah, I, I sew mine in. It's often I'm doing it as I go anyway because I, I have a thing about things looking neat and I struggle if it's all looking a bit messy so yeah I tend to sew all mine in or I, I often um, crochet over my ends anyway so they're already partly woven in yeah. so I finish all that off and then I block it and yeah hope for the best so again yeah just try these things out for yourself and decide what you like the best and stick with that so I think that's pretty much it yeah, on the blocking front is there anything else Faye, yeah, that you put out a couple of sample squares that I had and we'll take a photo of this now I probably was preparing for my Liala top mid-May yeah so I've got two squares one that I've blocked and one that I haven't I'll just pin this up then can you it's quite oh, clear well, yes. and easy to yeah, identify yeah. which one I've blocked and which one I haven't yeah. so we'll put a photo up because the unblocked one curls up at every single corner and it looks a little bit like a stingray actually and the one that I've blocked has it's curling up at one end and well, that's it, it. Really but actually neat. if I flattened yeah, it it looks really neat. neat the stitch definition is fantastic um, and it's it's a really nice flat piece and that's where are we now we're mid July so we're two months in and the blocked piece is still, still flat and yeah. the um blocked it's really curled it's really curled up so if ever you needed you know more evidence of the importance of blocking yeah. for certain things mm -hmm. this photo will show yeah. so we'll get that up there so that's it for blocking and our next um topic of conversation was our little trip to Woolfest and tamara's trip to houston fiber fest yeah. so faye do you want to take us through our little days out yeah sure so on the 24th and 25th of june so it's a friday and a saturday was Woolfest, which is in cockermouth in cumbria and on the exact same days there was houston fiber fest in houston texas and we have a lovely listener called tamara who had never been to a fiber festival before and so the houston fiber fest was her first one i thought what a lovely thing to be able to capture the excitement of somebody that was going to a fibre festival for the first time. So we had a series of questions that we gave tomorrow and she's answered them. She's also very kindly done some audio for us. So I'm going to attempt to splice this in and add some responses from tomorrow. And she's taken some photos. So we'll get the photos up onto the onto the show notes so you can see what another fibre festival is like that's great yeah i'm looking yeah. forward to that i haven't heard it yet so yeah it'll be a first for me when yeah. it's on the podcast so on face value it looks you know similar it's little stalls set up um but the venue that they had was immense it's not like some of the cattle marketplaces that we've got in the uk it was a proper conference center so probably a little bit more like edinburgh yarn festival is in so it's inside. it's inside it's inside yeah yeah, yeah. I think possibly because the temperatures over there are quite really quite high. Yeah. Just looking a little bit of a comparison, so this is our shore to shore comparison of two fibre festivals. So we'll Lynn and I will talk through our wool fest and what we thought about that and then like I say I'll be splicing in bits and pieces from tomorrow and what 
her experiences were. And, and in, in between, I'll also give some of the differences between the two festivals. So we went to Woolfest on the Friday. We did. We didn't get up super early and we were <laughs> off up the road and we got there for about half ten, I think. Yeah, yeah. And it was already busy at that point, but it yes. got much, much busier in the afternoon. Yeah. And I suspect the Saturday was even busier than the Friday. Um, so I'm pleased that we went on the Friday, actually. Yeah. And also, I kind of always feel if you go on day one, you get the pick of the stuff. Yeah, I think you do because... Uh, I'm pretty sure that if, well, when we have our stall at Yarndale, I'm not sure whether, if people want to buy it there and then, I'd rather sell my products and not think, oh, what about tomorrow? Because yeah. if tomorrow comes and then people don't want to buy them, you've lost your sales, haven't yes. you? And this is one of the points in the lead up to going to her first fibre festival tomorrow, I'd said, I'm going to walk around everything, I'm going to assess, and then I'm going to buy. We say that, don't we? Yeah, we say that, and then what happens is we go, oh, I've got to have it, I've got to have it, I've got to have this, and I've got to have that. And all of your fine plans just go out the window, and you end up just buying and buying and buying. Or what goes for me is I think, well, that won't be there when I go back for it, so I just yeah. have to buy it now. Yeah. And that's what Tamara found that she was doing, was that, you know, best laid plans and kind of, off they went and she found lots of lovely things and some of which she knew wouldn't be there when she got back to them later on so she bought them there and then she had quite a nice haul actually so quite a few nice um yarn based things yeah and then some other bits and pieces like some jewelry and um looms and stuff it's quite really quite nice i think it's quite nice at yarn festivals because you do see products that you don't necessarily like if you're looking online you need to type in something into google yeah you have so to unless have you yeah unless you've thought with. of something that you actually need you're not going to find it it's not going to be there whereas yeah. you go to a yarn festival and you see things you think oh wow that's good i could do with that so we we reckon at Woolfest, i'm not going to sit and count them all but i think well over 200 yeah. vendors um whereas houston fiber festival i had i think it was 39 but that's very much in its infancy. So Woolfest has been going for a long, long time now. And that was only the second year of Houston Fibre Festival. But the numbers are increasing. So it will get busier and busier yeah. year on year. I quite like the fact that they've got the farmers there as well. So they had six different farmers who were also selling their wares. And you get that feeling from Woolfest as well. Because yes, you do. You've got sheep there and you've got alpaca. And you can go and talk to the people that farm and shepherd those breeds so it's a, it's a really interesting place to go to it's definitely one of my favorite festivals because it's very sheepy and it's very breed specific yeah. and one of my favorite bits was you can go into the main ring and there's a very knowledgeable guy there who talks through all of the different breeds and the breeders are there so they get to come into the center of their ring and show off their sheep that they've brought to the show and he will talk through the characteristics of the breed, how it's developed over the years, the history of the breed, and also what the fleece is good for. And it's it's, it's a really interesting yeah, part he's a, of the show. He, he was an interesting guy, actually. Yeah. Like you say, he was not just knowledgeable. He was The way that he presented it was really kept you focused, didn't yeah. it? And what I like as well about that is you're not just seeing... A picture of the different breeds in the book you've actually got them all in the same ring so you get um, an idea of what the differences are in size and the colors of the fleece and the staple length within the fleece and you know when he's going through the different breeds he's actually in roaming in through the fleece so he's trying to show you the different layers that you might get in the different 
um, staples and the different ways that the fleece builds up over the over a time period and it's it's just a really nice way of viewing breeds and they had al- alpaca there as well so. i thought it was nice as well because it was packed wasn't it it was yeah. the show it was full yeah which i thought was great people are obviously really interested and they run that on the friday and the saturday mm-hmm. so no matter which day you go to wool fest you've got the chance it's show. around it's around lunchtime isn't it about yeah. quarter to one yeah. i'm fairly sure it was the same time last year so I love that. Yeah, I, just, I enjoyed it. I like getting up close and personal with the with the animals and really seeing um, the differences between them. So that was good, and we bought some stuff. We did, yeah. What did, did you buy? I bought some John Arban schemes, like full schemes, and I think they're classed as sort of seconds. I don't really know why. Maybe there's a knot in there. I don't really know. Or they just no. ends of are they just ends of No, it's where they, they maybe think that um the quality isn't okay. as good, but we we were there and we met up with a friend Jill um for our coffee breaks and she'd bought some again of the supposedly faulty and even when she'd been going through it with I think she'd been going through it with Frankie who's um works with John Arvin and they couldn't see what the fault was. No. So you, you can get some really good barkings and yeah. it's yarn that's perfectly usable. In fact, Jill had enough to make a whole garment. Yeah, she, she, she bought did. a jumper's worth. Yeah, she, she did. over the moon with it. So I just bought odd skeins of, of nice colours that I thought, yeah, I'll, I'll make something with that. And then the little cute mini skeins that I love. Yeah, the little unusual ones. Yeah. And I, I bought the same. John Arvin do the knit-by-numbers range as well, yeah. which I just I really... Um, like, but you'll hear more about that in a yes, future episode. You will. So I bought um about half a dozen maybe from there, half a dozen skeins, a mix of full and mini skeins. I bought some really nice fabric, hand woven sort of almost felted fabric that's a bit of a plaid effect. Yeah. A nice sort of ombre um, That's so jealous. Effects, yeah. We. It's one of those. Where you I picked one up, didn't you know, first? And then, and then I picked the other one up. No, you picked a different colour. Yeah, I've got the blue. You got the blue, and then I spotted the kind of it's like oranges, Orange grey. Yeah, and then I think I found another colour as well. I was like, oh, ladies. So I bought those, and um, I bought some felted balls that were kind of linked on a string in a nice bright blue and grey because I do like to use the felted balls. They are quite big actually, mm. but I will find a use for them. I love felted yarn. Yeah, and that was 100% woven yeah. in the UK, felted in the UK, mm-hmm. and I think the, the wool is also UK based. Yeah, and I think and that was from Wool Clip, which is local exhibitors from in and around that, um, that area of yeah. England. And then I think last podcast I mentioned that I'd lost my favourite crochet hook and I'd look to replace it, but they are quite expensive. They're about £8 Mm. for that specific ergonomic style. I thought, I don't really want to pay £8. I've got loads of 3.5mm hooks. I can't just use one of those. So I was umming and ahhing. And then we went to a couple of guys who sell all um, knitting and crochet accessories. Mm. I can't think They're knitting for fun with a With a four, yeah. So um, I managed to buy from them an ergonomic hook, but not a really chunky handle. It's sort of um, a plasticky, I think it's an addy. It was an addy hook. So the tip is metal, so it's not too pointy, because I do struggle with the rosewood or sort of bamboo ones. I can't use 
them at all. They're either too pointy for me. I picked up a 4mm bamboo hook to use with the mini skein that Rachel, the daughter of a shepherd yarn, and the fibres were catching because my hook was a bit coarse yeah. at the top end. So I couldn't use it because it was just ruining the yarn. So this has a metal hook and um, a sort of a chunky plasticky handle. It's absolutely perfect and it was £2.50. And that was the soft touch 50. one you got, yeah. was it? So I was absolutely made up with that and I've used it pretty much. It's on the go all the time because yeah. I use 3.5mm a lot with my projects. So I bought that and was that it for me? I think that might have been the sum of my purchases. Not bad. Not bad. I didn't spend were, a huge amount of money you actually. Buttons. You got buttons. As oh, well. I got a few little buttons. Yeah, I did for my for one of the for the cow for our book. Needed something specific, so I spent a long time mooching through the buttons and choosing the right ones. And with Faye's help, managed to get there. And I think Jill was with us at that time, was she? Was it just you and I? It was just you and I. Yeah. Joe so was off looking for more. She was. Oh, and when we were chatting, we met up with Emma Wright, who is Emma Knitted, and she was on Emily Fold's stand, who uh, Emily has a yarn shop, and Emily kindly gave me a ball of West Yorkshire spinners. The it was new the cocktail, range, the cocktail it? range. It's the passion fruit cooler, I think. The purpley one. So she kindly gave me a, the ball of that for... Um, the, my search press book for one of the projects in there so that was good of her so yeah I think that was my last acquisition that was at, at the very end of the mm. day mm. yeah because we caught Jill in there we stand she said she was going off home and yeah, that was she it was there, she was there buying more yarn buying more and then when I saw her on Thursday night she was like uh, I didn't actually stop there I went and bought something else as well <laughs> I think that's your influence Faye making people feel giddy and happy that they want positive. to just yeah positivity makes you yeah, just a bit more do you frivolous know what, if it makes you happy and you do can it. afford it yeah. as we always say beans on toast for yeah. a week means more it's yarn doable. <laughs> it's doable <laughs> yeah if it makes you happy then why not you know if you're not putting yourself in hog um or you know not paying your electricity bill or something <laughs> yeah that's, that's, that's obviously un- not recommended no but that's what i spend my money on and yeah hopefully i'm influencing other people to think you know this is something that lasts and it's for me it's about quality more than anything I think perhaps the good thing about yarn festivals is that not many store holders can actually take credit cards. Oh, I seem <laughs> or, to find all the ones that do. <laughs> you do, Faye. I noticed that. So it does help with yeah. the with the buying situation. Yeah. I tend to take a fixed amount of cash. And yeah. but, but to be honest, once you pay to get in, and then you bought yourself a drink and, and some food, lunch, and food, you know, you don't have a lot left then. Yeah, I think um, it was eight pounds to get into. Wolfest, which is a, a decent price, I think, for what you get there. Yeah, it's yeah. it's quite a large site. And we came across lots of lovely people that we know. Oh, we and did. Some people that would come across for the first time. It was, yeah, it was, it was good fun to stop and natter with so many people. Yeah, we met with Lorraine, didn't we? From She's part of the discussion group, and we've met her at Black Sheep yes. with the weaving yeah, demonstration. Yeah, she was with Bede, um, from she from us. It was, yeah, it was just really nice to see yeah. so many friendly faces and to meet to meet new folk there were some stylish people in there as well like 
there were some really nice yeah, knitted were. tops and stuff. It was it was it was lovely. I was walking around with envy mm. on some of the. But you had your nice Lyala top on, so you on. were up there with the trendy people. <laughs> I, actually, I felt so proud. Somebody stopped me in the um, food queue as I was just leaving, and she asked me about the top, and she said, "Oh, I, I love your top. Is it knitted?" And I said, "No, it's crocheted." And she went, I love it. I, I, it's so beautiful, and you've styled you've styled it really nicely. Aww. And she said, your navy top underneath it is inspiring. I was like, oh, and of course, <laughs> look at me. <laughs> so yeah, all in all, it was a really fantastic feel. I bought some wool, of course, and some buttons. And um, we mentioned when we did the review of wolf. Not well, I wasn't getting the two mixed up. Wonder, Wonder Wool Wheels. When we did the review of that, we mentioned another button stall um, that wasn't Textile Gardens. They really featured in on secondhand buttons and some very unusual ones. And they were at Woolfest. So I went and got her business card so that I said I would report back. And the company name is Brimstone Buttons and Buckles. Now, it's run by a lady called Maureen but they don't have a website and they don't do all of the shows. And I think they aren't doing any more this season. I no, think I they're don't done. Think so so yeah. the only two places that I ever see them at are Woolfest now and Wonder Wool Wheels. Yeah, we saw them at Yarndale last year, but she said they're not there this year. No, that's right. Yeah. Um, I would say if you're going to either of those two festivals, Go and have a look in for Brimstone Buttons and Buckles because she does some really unusual yeah. stuff. I got a, we got a photo of them in the show notes. Two really beautiful wooden art deco buttons that I bought that yeah. I'd seen it. Yeah, you uh, could pick them up, didn't you? I picked them, them up down. and I put them down, and she still had them at Woolfest. And this time I thought, no, you're not. You're not escaping me this time. I definitely am going to buy you. It's like a little treasure trove, mm. isn't it? Once you start moving around the, the, the all the buttons are sewn onto little cards and the price is on there yeah. which must take her for ages to yeah. do all that and then they're all sort of on on a table and you can kind of mooch through them and find things underneath that are not perhaps visible you kind of go rummaging around and all these little treasures pop out just unusual stuff um i got one that is house shaped it's wow. just love and it was like, it was a pound you know when you're and it was one of the last stands that we went to before we were heading back down the motorway and you know you've got that last little bit of change in your pocket and you just think i'm not i'm not yet spent up but sometimes with buttons what i find is that like if you're trying to find inspiration for a project and you're looking through your yarn and you think oh that's nice what can i make with that and your ideas start coming into your head yeah i do the same with buttons i'll empty my button stash out get all the nice buttons in little rows and think well okay what would that look nice or yeah. what can I make with that and then the project itself and the design has been built around the, the buttons yeah. rather than the buttons just being like an afterthought which is a nice way of doing it because I've come across lots of people who think they've got the right buttons and then they haven't and then they have to go and buy even more buttons yes. but actually if you build a piece the around way. the buttons yeah. you know the buttons are going to work yeah. for them and, and also the likelihood is your project will show off those lovely buttons in a better way because you've designed the project around them yeah so at this point we'll probably add in the bit from Tamara and what her experiences yeah. were like I say we'll get some photos up it's Tamara from Texas with my review of the Houston Fibre Fest it was my it's my first Fibre Fest ever. 
very exciting. I hardly slept the night before or, or the night of the festival. And it's a new event for Houston. It's only in its second year. And I heard that last year they had around 900 attendees and this year it was up to 1,300. Um, so it's going to grow. It took place on Friday and Saturday, June 24th and June 25th this year. It was organised by the Knit at Night Guild, which has six local chapters in the greater Houston, Texas area. And the Guild organised the event to promote the fibre industry in the third largest city in the US, and also to increase the membership in local knitting and weaving guilds. The event took place at the Berry Centre in Cyprus, which is a large suburb 25 miles northwest of downtown Houston. And it's about 17 miles from me, so it should usually take about 25 minutes to drive on, on the freeway. Um, but we had roadworks and storms on the way back, so um, I was delayed a little bit. It was free to enter the vendor hall on Friday and Saturday. On Thursday night, they had a trunk show and a demo by nationally acclaimed teacher and designer Romy Hill from northern Nevada. And that cost $10. Initially, I was surprised at how big the venue was when I sort of arrived there. Um, Berry Centre sounds kind of cute, and I knew it wasn't going to be a kind of village hall setup because everything is bigger in Texas. But the Berry Centre is a huge conference centre, has 17 function rooms. So I was a little daunted, very overexcited as the Fibre Fest newbie. Um, there was a lot going on for me when I got into the vendor hall and I was quite overwhelmed but everybody was extremely friendly almost all the vendors were local from Texas and everybody was chatty and generous with their time and Texans are just lovely people the vendors were selected to appeal to all of these different crafts and they were noticeably local vendors which was great really because I'll have an opportunity to see them like before next year. Um, there were 39 vendors in all, so priority, I found out that priority was given to local yarn stores, so so many of them are sadly closing here. So there, I counted nine bricks and mortar yarn stores, and there were a large number of local farms, spinners, and dyers, indie dyers, who chose to be part of the event. So there were 16 indie dyers, which is over a third of the vendors, and six farms, a fibre mill, and booths selling fibre-related products, so quite a few with project bags, um, needing, needle felting and weaving kits, and that was really more than enough for me. I must admit, I didn't get to visit every vendor, and I was talking a lot. Then I kept running into people that I knew and uh, it was slightly ridiculous that I didn't get around everybody because I was there for seven hours. New to me, that I hadn't seen before, Independence Farmstead Fibre Mill, which is an artisan mill service for the independent fibre producer. They were selling these oversized, colourful, huge skeins of yarn to weave or knit or crochet with. Um, and people were buying it to make wall hangings. That was pretty amazing. And at Windmill Crest Farms, which is near San Antonio, there was a gentleman there and he had an industrial needle felting machine. 
which was invented just over 10 years ago and it was about the size of an upright piano with tiny needles moving up and down at speed and you feed in a piece of material to felt it as a base and then you decorate this with anything you like raw fleece or yarn um, and pass it through the machine again and make amazing artwork rugs and then another vendor lucky you yarn from new Bromfolds, they dye their own yarn which is called wool tree yarn and use natural ingredients over an open fire and had researched local history to find out what native indians and german settlers had used and the color palette was incredibly varied and um, derived from native plants and bugs and bark and seed so things like prickly pear and persimmon sumac and grapes and walnut i would absolutely return to the fiber fest next year i've got the date in my diary and um yeah it was it was just great uh, very overwhelming <laughs> i was absolutely exhausted by the end um, but it was just great you know just uh, i loved it fantastic we'll move on now to our finished objects phase so have you done much this month i have um quite a lot of it for the book mm -hmm. because that's just where we're both at yeah. at the moment is having to speed through all of that stuff the main thing that I've probably finished is my Mist Kingfisher shawl which is the one that um, Lovely. Yeah, I'm really chuffed with it um, so that was the one that I was doing with my friend Jenny and she's kind of down by Worthing near Brighton and I was up here so we both cho chose the same pattern and we've come at it from two totally different yarns and colours so hers is pink pink and grey and it looks amazing hers is really striking um, and she's got a little bit of changes within those two colours so the, the grey comes in and out of brightness and same with the pink and I used a standard cream colour for my main colour and then I used a Zumba ball for my gradient colour and I really I really like the effect yeah. so it goes from cream through to really rich greys into browns into near black um, and you get that effect through the really mainly through the main part of the shawl so the we'll put a link to the project within the show notes yeah. so I've got full review of that up on Ravelry and any changes that I made and any kind of slight, slight tweaks to the pattern but also the yarns that I've used and the hook size I really like it. Yeah, I, it's I, nice and warm because I, I, you I borrowed, it, borrowed it when we were interviewing. Um, we did an interview with Hugh Metcalf from Crochet Now, so I was a little bit cold and Faye had it in a bag. But yeah, tested, test ran it. Cozy. It's good, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. So I'm kind of looking forward to I know it's roasted outside. I'm kind of looking forward to autumn. <laughs> I've been making all of these lovely neck cozies mm -hmm. and cowls and scarves and shawls. I can't really wear any of them there because I run so warm. It has to be about zero degrees before I even contemplate putting a jacket on when I come yeah. outside because I just shove a cowl around me yeah, or I, do. Um, I have a big scarf or something that I'll just keep my shoulders and my neck warm with. Um, so yeah, I'm looking forward to those days when it's a bit nippier. Yeah, with working at home, every uh, other than now because it is really warm, I very well every day I'll have a scarf around yeah. my neck so yeah it's nice to have a good stash of scarves and cowls and yeah. shawls yeah I certainly have that so that's that's probably my main finished 
object mm -hmm. and that and then stuff from the book yeah yeah I'm pretty much the same um I did make my husband a little crocheted mandala so when we bought our new bedroom furniture he kind of s surprisingly said to me oh you could make some runners for across the top so that they don't get scratched and things because we do look after things really yeah. well I think our last bedroom furniture that we had we'd had for like 20 years which is a long time yeah. and it wasn't damaged we, we've kept one of the wardrobes and put it in another room so it's well how can we protect things but still show them off and make them look nice just with being so busy I haven't kind of got round to doing these runners or whatever and he put in a registered a complaint <laughs> a few an official ago. complaint he made an official complaint um, I haven't got my runners yet <laughs> because what he does in the evening when we go to bed is he either puts his keys on the side and he puts his phone on the side and his phone has like a little metal strip on the mm. back and he's worried about it scratching so I found him a little bowl which I put in the dra top drawer so he puts his keys in the drawer now yeah. So he went out to mow the garden on this particular day that he'd made a complaint. I think it was a Sunday. And I thought, right, okay, I'll go and do it now. So I went upstairs and I found some nice blue, like a teal blue that matches the the bedding and strips on the curtains. And it was the Eliza Conway yarn, the yeah. 50 Peebles from Yarn Day. Yeah. I thought, well, okay, that'll, that'll look nice. And I made a mandala. So the pattern's actually from my new crochet book. So when he came back inside, it was all pinned out on the floor because I'd blocked it. So I said, about an hour later when it was dry, because yeah. it was a really sunny day, there's your little man yeah, That's a great service yeah. level agreement. Yeah. Complaint in, Sorted. washed, dealt with, yeah. ready for the, that evening. That evening he had a nice, sizeable um, mat to put his phone on. And yeah, he's happy as Larry. So now I've just got to make a few more to put. I've got a vase that I want to put something underneath. So yeah, quick quick crochet. That was a very quick finished object. Sometimes um, they're the best because you still yeah. get that sense of achievement with it. Yeah, and I was quite relieved that actually because it's in my book, it worked. <laughs> <laughs> and then I guess we've also got the we've little got, bits and pieces yeah. that we've done from the um, yarn review. From Rachel's yarn, yeah. So that was good. And then I've done lots of projects probably done quite a few projects for commissions although yeah. they're dwindling off now which is good because I need the time for the books yeah. so um, they've all been sent off and then the other things I've been working on and finished on the way to Wolfest and back I, I made a cowl and I've been testing out some colours with my cowl design for selling kits at Yarn Day yeah. so much all about yarn day it's a, it, and books it's a lot of it work it is it's a lot of work but we want yeah. to really show ourselves in a good light yeah. so. so we're starting to pull together what the stalls might look like yeah. and what the general feel what the color schemes yeah. are what yeah really what the aesthetic is going to be for our stall yeah so really nice hopefully the stall itself will look really nice and attract people in but equally people that are perhaps coming to see us after from listening to the podcast we want we want everything to look yeah, really nice so um, yeah i would say if you're coming to um your deal come and say hello yeah we don't buy it we'll take a photo yeah we'd love to board. we'd love to see folk and, and mm -hmm. sh show you all off on pinterest yeah 
that'll be nice yeah so yeah that's a that's similar to, to me Faye a lot lots of things that we can't really talk about too much at the moment but I think what we've agreed is that maybe in the next podcast we can yep. give away a bit more detail because yeah. I'm aware that we're just constantly saying we can't really talk about that we can't really talk yeah. about that so next next podcast we'll give we, away we, a bit more we'll detail. be able to talk about it in the next podcast because that will be the end uh, it will be beginning of September won't yeah. it and Yarndale's in September so we if we're not ready <laughs> we're going to be stuffed anyway yeah. so yeah we'll be talking about it and shouting about it from September onwards hopefully yeah we'll get to that point so whips to be fair it's 20 past one and my stomach oh is gone I meant to put a general call out in the beginning of the podcast because it's so warm that we've got the door open, which means I'm sorry if you've already heard um, the birds. They're That's chattering nice. away yeah, outside. They are. You might have heard the buzzards going over. Next door's lawnmower is going. Maybe the occasional horse going up and down the lane and car. And now my stomach as well. So, yeah, apologies if all these noises are coming through. So, we've got a whip wall. Have we got any updates on the whip wall? Are we, have we changed, added any extra people? We have added Vedity into the Whipwall. Vedity is somebody that we interviewed. She's got a company called Truly Hood and she does hand-dyed yarns. So actually by the time this podcast comes out, we will have already uploaded Vedity's interview. Brilliant. So you'll know how many whips she has, but we'll I'll add her to the Whipwall and get Great. her up there. And so how are your whips? Have you got any? Do I seem to just be at eight. Uh, I seem to be in a one one out one in policy yeah um so i have let me just consult my little information some of the standard stuff that i've had right the way through so the tardis cushion the blanket baby bird scarf and then i'm also working on a pair of john arban socks which is not whip it's whole so i finished <laughs> one a couple of days ago and i've got the other one to start which i will start in the next day because I'm off to see John Arvin tomorrow. How exciting. I'm so excited about yeah. this. I wish I was going I know. Me. So Lynn can't come to this one and I'm off to interview John down at their mill which is called Harvest Fibre in North Devon. And Matthew, my husband, has agreed to take a day off. Oh. So um, we've got, we're leaving at seven in the morning to get down there for eleven and we'll be taking around the mill and and go and spend some time with John and their team. Oh, I can't wait I'm to. So excited! But all about it. the lead up to that is, I want to be whilst I'm there and in the vicinity of John Arbin. I want to be working on my next John Arbin sock. Yeah. So you know, good. if I've got any time to sit and knit, it feels right that yeah. I should be knitting socks at John Arbin because they also make their own, and also that I would be using John Arbin yarn whilst I'm there. So I need to get them um, the final one of that sorted. Um, Henslow Shawl, which was my GUR project last time round because oh, of, of Peak Wedge Yeah, off. how did you get on with that? I haven't touched it because I've come to the conclusion that I think I kind of mucked up the the lace part of it and I've got too many stitches and it's, it's a bit frilly. So I'm, I'm going to... Oh, you're going to have to take it back. Take it back yeah. and yeah. do the lace edging again. Yeah. Now, it's not so bad to do because actually you pick up stitches... You do garter stitch and then you pick up stitches to do the lace so it's not like it's going to be a real bind to take it back and I can 
I can work out where I need to take it back to. Mm-hmm. I think I just missed out on all because of yeah. the way the pattern was written and okay. I've glossed over it. Not not the pattern writer's fault. I've just gone, yeah, yeah, I know yeah. what I'm doing. <laughs> Wrong. So I need to sort that out because mm-hmm. it's a present and I want it to be right. Yeah. I, don't, I don't want to half like put something over that's a half-baked attempt. So that's still in there. As is my wrap over shawl, maybe about a fifth of the way through that. That was the Simply Crochet one, the one that Jojo oh, Trinkleton yes, was doing. Yeah, I about so that. I'm really liking that, but it's it is quite mundane. You're just going back yeah. and forward yeah. and back and forward. It is two different um types of stitches in the two rows using front loop and back loop, but still it's 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 a bit mindless. And then I um once I had finished my missed kingfisher i got consumed by the book of haps so i tried really hard not i, I bought it i left it and thought st- don't even look at it Just i stole it, it by accident I didn't you but then when i wanted it it wasn't there and then it was there nestled in between all the magazines from the last podcast yeah. i can't believe that it was just there Luckily, she Sorry, gave Faye. it back to me. I did give it back, and I didn't mess it up because I knew it was no, brand new. So I didn't even. I resisted the temptation to sit and read it because I would like a copy myself. So I'm going to buy myself a copy, and then I can read the, really the interesting section at the front, mm-hmm. and as well as have all the patterns. Yeah. yeah. So that is a book of knitted um, shawls and hats, and they are just they're gorgeous. And there's one in particular that. I saw on the day it was released, they released a pattern a day. Mm-hmm. Not that you could see the patterns, but you could see the finished piece. And it's called Not Hap. And I just absolutely fell in love with it because it's quite an unusual construction. And it's really long, it's really stylish. And I can imagine myself in like my skinny jeans with a yeah. really nice top on with my chunky high heels and this wrapped around mm-hmm. me in a really stylish way. And I've picked a slightly different colour scheme, so um, the designer has encouraged people to use their own colour scheme and pick a bird. So hers was obviously on the nut hatch, and um, I've chosen a kingfisher, and I really love the colours. They love the colours actually, mm. really, really nice. So every morning when I have my little cup of tea and yeah. I've still got my gownie on before I go and have my shower, I try and get through a load of the knitting but like the Simply Crochet one it's rib it's one by one rib yeah for 50 rows that's a lot and each row is 679 (gasps) stitches oh my goodness so I'm up to row 15 and and it's on a well done it's on a knit along that I don't think I'll make the deadline for but in the back of my head I'm going do it do it do it so at the same time as trying to do blanket and everything else I've cast that one on and probably I shouldn't have but you know I had I had serious FOMO about everybody else doing a, a knit along that I wasn't engaged with for those of you who don't know um, FOMO is fear of missing out and uh, yeah I had I had cow FOMO so <laughs> I cast on um, so hence why whilst we're still talking I am also working on a blanket for our book project because I'm a little bit behind and I blame the book of haps Oh, well, I'm also working on something as we're talking as well, so I hope I hope you can't hear me crocheting, yeah. but um, I'm just desperately trying to finish. Um, I'm just adapting one of my book designs 
so that I can use a specific amount of yarn for uh, making a kit so I'm having to just rejig yeah. the, the colours which has been proved quite uh, tricky so I, I think I've got there with it now but uh, yeah so for me on my whips I'm not really moved on much either I think I'm at 13 at the moment so what's gone then? Um, I had 14 but I think um, I frogged something else I can't <laughs> think what it was that seems to be your answer yeah I don't finish it, it. Because I just think, well, I don't actually think I'm going to... Yeah. I think what it was, I was going on holiday a couple of years ago and I thought, well, what can I take on the plane? I was a bit last minute, oh, I'll make this. And then I took some yarn without really thinking too much about it. And then when I came home, I thought, you know what? These colours aren't even me. Yeah. I, I, will I wear this? Probably not. So, you know, it's sock yarn. I thought, well, I can use it to make a pair of socks. That would be more sensible. So that's the one that I've crossed out. Having said that, with with the 13, two of those are for our book, so actually I don't think they should be included because really? I don't include um, work things on my whips. I just include personal things. Well, I've, I've been including them in mine because... Yeah, well, I'll leave them in then for now. Then, then it's fair, and yeah. So, but, but even with those two included, I'm still at 13, which is less than... Yeah. That's yeah, and I and I started and finished one thing, didn't I? When I went to Woolfest, as I said before, yes. so that so that was a start and a finish. One of the things that we're trying to do with the book is have a real mix of projects in terms of timelines. So it might be that you can make something in just a few hours. So it's a one night project yeah. if you wanted it to be, and then others that um, would you know, you would do over a, a number of weeks. Yeah, so they put them on the back burner and then pick yeah. them up as and when you you feel that you want to work on it yeah yeah so so that's so it for me really stable, yeah there are no major fluctuations although there's probably more in and out stuff and then more things coming into the whip pile for me than you probably that's uh, yeah. that seems to be given the, yeah and I'm, I'm now wondering because i don't have to drive to devon it used to be that Matty and I would have a bun fight to see who wanted yeah. to drive because we both really enjoy driving. Okay. And there is no bun fight now. And I just look at him and I was like, but... I crochet. Shall I drive? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and um, some of you might have seen this on Instagram. Uh, we were heading up to Scotland a couple of weekends ago and I finally had to give in at quarter to 11 because we're heading north as well. Yeah. There's just so much more daylight up there. Yeah. And it was... Um, the second weekend in July so there was really quite a lot of daylight but quarter to 11 at night I finally had to concede that I could no longer see uh, what I was crocheting um, and then I remembered I'd brought my entire bag of crochet hooks and in there was my light up crochet hook ah. and I hadn't used it um, somebody at Wool Gathering, Catholic Wool Gathering had put me onto it and it's quite a brightish bluey white light um, and it's it's enough to see without disturbing. I checked with Matthew and it didn't disturb him at all. He was quite happy for me to continue to crochet with it. Oh, I wasn't excellent. overly taken with the hook. It's plastic, isn't it's it? Plastic so it's plastic and it, tricky. it, it split yeah. the yarn a little mm -hmm. bit. But do you know what? It allowed me to continue. I was on a bit of a timeline with that project anyway. Um, what I would say is if, you, if you're thinking you're often in a situation where you need to get something done and you want to crochet, through the night or maybe you've got a partner that 
um, can't sleep with the light pollution and you want to sit and crochet in bed, that might be a good option yeah. for you. The only thing I would say, as I'd said, the light is quite a bluish white light. So if you suffer from migraines, it might not be the best mm -hmm. colour option for you because it might be something that triggers a migraine. Okay. Um, but actually, I was I was quite impressed. I wouldn't use it permanently as my hook, but in times desperation, of need, yeah. times of utter desperation yeah. to crochet, it worked really well. And I always find with plastic hooks as well, they're great to take on an aeroplane because they won't go off in the when you're putting your bags yeah. through. So they do come in useful. So moving on then, Fade to feeding the habit. I think we've covered a lot of this. So as well as your Wolfest haul, have you bought anything else? Do you know what? Is that a silly question? <laughs> yes. And I saw you on when Monday. Yeah. And preparing for a meeting, I was like, oh, I've been really good this month. I barely bought anything, and I just bought three more balls of yarn for my nut hub. And then I thought, oh yeah, and I got that. And I got that, and I got that. So I thought, I don't. I think I just dismiss it in my mind. It's been, yeah. it's gone, and it's just added to yeah. the stash. So I, I bought quite a lot of John Arbin stuff at Woolfest. Yeah. Because they do the mini skeins or end of line stuff, or just unusual little runs, and you don't get them. They're never on their website. It's at the Wool Festivals that I come across that stuff. So I always snap them up because they're really quite unusual. I don't think I bought any other yarn from Wolfest. It was just John Arbin stuff because I'm just utterly in love with the ethos of their company, the yeah. breeds that they use, and just the quality of what they have is fantastic. It wasn't all for me, so I'm also knitting some socks. Christine Penny, she does a sock project in the lead up to Yarn Deal, and I've promised. Nobody ever wants to do the socks for the men. Yeah, I suppose they're just more time consuming. More time. Who, you know, who wants to knit socks for a size 10 or 11 foot? And so I've said to Christine that I would knit, try and do a couple of pairs of men's socks. Oh, that's nice. So I found a nice colour in the John Arbin um, socks. I also think, well, regardless of your life situation, everyone deserves nice wool. Yeah, and it, I think if your feet are warm, it makes a massive difference yeah, it, as well. Yeah, it does. And, yeah. Um, so I've got some nice John Arbin sock wool for that. So I will try, endeavour, well, I will endeavour to make a couple of pairs of socks for Christine ready for yarn deal. So are they in a four-ply, in four-ply yarn? It's in four-ply, yeah. but depending on time, I might get a bit cheaty and do it as a DK. Yeah, I was because she's that. got Because um, mm. Christine's got a DK pattern that she's worked out as well, and I might, from her basic sock pattern. So that might just be a quick way yeah. to get warmer socks because if they're for homeless people then even better mm -hmm. warmth is a key factor yeah and it will speed it up and mean that i will potentially get even more than two pairs out the door for her so we'll we'll see yeah. you know Sounds what i'm good. like for signing myself up for something applying more and more pressure <laughs> so there was that and then uh some stuff i didn't even have to pay for you know, last time I was saying that I went on the East London Yarn Triangle yes, crawl. Yeah. I won a prize. Oh, how <laughs> You know the picture of me on the swing, yeah. on the swing. Well, the, um, t they had one prize, but they put it out to two. I don't know who the other winner was, but they, they loved the photo enough that they sent me a prize. So what was the, the competition? Just that you sent in a photograph of you doing yeah, something on that day? Yeah, during yeah. the crawl, you'd um, put them up on Instagram with the hashtag, um, which is what I did. And so that one of me on the swing was 
one of the ones that got it. Great, great stuff. So I got a lovely kit. It's a teapot cosy kit, but you don't have to make that. Um, again, it's a charity knit thing. Yeah. And it's with Libby Summers. I think it's her chunky yarn. Oh, I really like Libby's mm-hmm. stuff. Um, I've I've done another shawl with her. Uh, with her yarn. I haven't used her yarn actually. It's very nice, mm-hmm. and she's got, I really like the vibrancy of some of her colours. Yeah. Although this one is undyed, but it's really, really nice yarn. So I got that and some knitters paper, graph paper for designs, which is perfect because I meant to buy some when I was in Wild and Woolly and forgot to, and then that was part of my prize. Oh, anyway. good. And a little badge and one of her bags. And uh, yeah, it was just really That's nice. nice. Yeah. I think it's nice to win anything really isn't it yeah and having a little parcel arrived that I didn't know what was inside I can totally see why people do yarn clubs yeah I keep toying with the idea of joining some of these yarn clubs yeah I was having a hedgehog fibers yesterday did you (laughs) yeah I just need to have have a a, do a bit of research and make sure that I choose the the right one for me really yeah yeah I am tempted very maybe we could in a future episode pull together all of the different yarn clubs yeah, that are would there be a good idea. and yeah. see what on what basis we would choose that yeah. one because there are lots out there you've mm-hmm. got um, the golden skein you've got hedgehog fibers i think ripples craft do a yarn I club think, as well um, bar bar brick house do yeah do yeah they do club. don't they yeah um so maybe we could do a quick rundown of what the different yarn clubs offer and which yeah. one we would individually choose mm-hmm. mm. So yeah, I, I totally see why yarn clubs are a thing and why that would interest people. And then you had a birthday, didn't you, Faye? And received lots of nice yeah, goodies honest, for your birthday. An amazing array of stuff as well. Do you know when people just get you and that's it's lovely? So I had lots of books, including um, two books from Lynn, which yes, is lovely. Yeah. I got Edda Knight's latest collection from Lynn and also a book on hand dyeing, which is one of my new kind of passions that's starting to bubble up. <laughs> Um, keep it at bay uh, I'm trying that and spinning just need to take the back seat <laughs> and I also got the fleece and fibre source book from my parents uh, which has been fantastic it's a great reference book and I've been using when I was dealing with the daughter dealing with them it just sound awful sorry when I was crocheting the daughter of a shepherd stuff I was looking up what the characteristics are of Hebrideans mm-hmm. and sparklers because I find that helpful when I'm actually working with the yarn because I understand what it's meant to do and staple length and density and stuff. It was, I just find that really interesting. So I've got that and I've got another book on British breeds but one of my two absolute favourite things, one of them will only come into fruition next year, my friend Jenny and her husband Fraser and their two kids bought me a sheep shearing bay. Oh my goodness! Yeah, That's amazing. This. So I'm going to um, Brecon Beacons in Wales. Wow! And I get to shear sheep in the morning. She's no. coming, so we're going to meet. We'll, we'll meet up there. So Jenny will what do a it as well. fantastic present! And then you get to deal with the fleece, and then then in the afternoon you are felting with the fleece that you sheared. Oh, oh my goodness! I think so I'd be exciting. frightened because you move around. You have to kind of really hold them firm, don't you? Yeah, but I'd be that's... frightened of hurting one or, or catching it with the clippers or whatever. Yeah, I, I'm sure they're very good at managing yeah. the situation. Yeah. But you know me, I'll be right in the thick of it. I'll be there. Reminds fantastic. me. Slight tangent, but one of the reasons I'm not at all bothered about that is because I am a total country bumpkin. I am. I am. Like I should have been all farming stock. That's what. That's what my true calling would have been. 
I remember being in Oxford one time going through one of the parks to get into the city centre. Everybody cycles in Oxford, it's just what you do. And over one of the small bridges, which you can cycle and walk over, there was a cow just stood on the bridge and all of these city types were not going anywhere and not using the bridge because <laughs> the cow was there. And I was just, oh my word, people, will you deal with this? And they're all just stood there thinking, oh, there's a cow on the bridge. And me on my bike just went past the cow, spanked its bum and went, yeah! And the cow, <laughs> the cow moved and then all of these people had to disperse because the cow was then coming through, but it meant I opened up the bridge so that they could actually get in there and get to work. <laughs> I just thought it was hilarious with all these like, Oxford types that couldn't manoeuvre a cow out of the way, and I just spanked it on. Got straight in there. As, and continued to pedal on my back like do 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 so yeah, I think a sheep, you know, compared to an Oxford bridge cow, yeah. it'll, it'll be fine. <laughs> wow. Oh, so there was that, great. and then yep. my final really lovely, lovely thing is, I only remembered this a couple of months ago. When I was little, my dad had one of the little observer books on um, farm animals and running a small holding, and it was my favourite, favourite book. And I used to, my dad reminded me, I saw him the other week, and he, when he said, what do you want for your birthday? And I said, I would love that book. If you no longer use it, yeah. I would really, really love your Observer book um, because it's I have such fond memories and I now understand how much of an impact it's had on yeah. my life. Sometimes you don't realise until later in life no. the impact that something has yeah. had in your own years. And I used to just sit and pour through all of the different sheep breeds and pig breeds and cow breeds and I used to be able to reel them off. I could, you know, I could identify in a field what a gloss rolled spot looked like sorry if you can hear strange noises i just want to clarify it isn't my stomach this time it's it, the is cat he, is he She's, snoring he's snoring yeah i nearly recorded him last night on video and bought him in the bed he's flat out yeah he's he snores like as bad as my husband just to does. say it's not my stomach it's by the way it's our yeah. snowy snowy snoring. kitty yeah I used to carry it around in my little pinafore dress and I just loved it and it's really impacted on my interest in breeds and my interest in yarn and I just I didn't realize it until very recently so my my mum and dad sent it down to me and it is battered it is, it's been yeah. held together with masking tape and what I love but that adds to the character of it it definitely does and I hadn't realised my dad said yeah you wrote on the book so there was a nice inscription from the friends that gave it to him and and then I've basically said it's fee. it was <laughs> given it's basically I've laid claim to it yeah, it's my book written on it myself as if to say it is Fee's book it's and that's book that yeah. keep your hands off yeah. it's mine so my yeah that was that was one of my favourite presents because it's steeped in family history and it yeah, really shows the person that I've become today and the fact that it was ingrained in me from a young age. Yeah, that's lovely. Oh, how nice. So yeah, I've had many, many things. Purchases and gifts mm, combined. Because, yeah. because of birthday and everything else. Fantastic. Well, I haven't really bought a great deal, to be honest. I bought my stuff from Woolfest, which we've already documented. Um, oh, I 
did have have bought some yarn but it's mainly to test colours and things like that so it, again when I buy yarn that goes through the business I don't really count it as a personal thing because yeah. it's it's for a specific use so yeah most of the yarn purchases I have made quite a few I have to say but I don't want to give too much away at the moment but yeah I have bought quite a substantial box of yarn I did have to check it with my husband I was like hmm I've got an idea I'm thinking of buying this or do you think I'm wasting my money or do you think that you know it could be a goer and yeah. it came and like he's really good it, you know we it get is, on really well and um, we worked together for many years when we were both in paid employment and yeah we kind of bounce ideas off each other which is good so he's a good person that I can just think oh well I'll, I'll ask Al you know yeah. so he's like yeah yeah I think that that would work so yeah ordered a big box of yarn for a purpose I'll tell you more about it next week. Did you hear that? Yeah. It's getting loud. He's a disgrace. <laughs> <laughs> I really hope that picks up. It will pick up, definitely. He's, my yeah. cat is basically turning into an old man. Although I call him the kitten. Aww. His na his proper name is Mrs. Robinson, but he gets every name under the sun and my favourite one is Pom Pom. Yeah. And Pom -pom. um but he's, he's starting to get grey hairs and this snowing oh, thing. It's not because he's overweight, he's just like, he's no, just he's getting a bit, at all. he's getting a bit old, middle-aged and he's like, oh yeah, I'm done in there. I don't need yeah. to be chasing that any mice, I'll just sleep I'll for snore. most of my days and snore and keep everyone awake. <laughs> he's very cute. So, so yes, I haven't really had many purchases, which is a good thing. I've bought lots of other things for myself but items that were necessary <laughs> like face creams and, yeah. and new underwear and you know you get to a point where you think I need some new underwear so <laughs> I've got a cold in. Yeah, basically <laughs> that was the point I was at Faye every pair of pants well, I picked up out of the drawer had holes in you haven't noticed that I've been stood behind the desk and I'm in the same spot and I've got a dress on and I keep on going <laughs> and then shimmy and the rest back down. <laughs> so yes, I've had a, a little bit of I tend to do it about once a year, have a little spending spree buying the necessities in life. So yeah. yeah. But not yarn, so that's good. So moving on to what's good, um I think for me I've just the enjoyment really of working with natural yarns which you know I've, I've been doing more and more and it's something that I've, I've talked about for a while in other things like in my blog and everything but haven't necessarily taken the time out to do that but now what I'm finding is because I have been working with some really lovely yarns um, I know we talked about Erica Knight but the British Blue is one of my favourites and also <laughs> sorry my cat is ridiculous. Sorry, Liz. It's okay. I was trying to ignore it before, thank you. But it sounded like my stomach. It's like a mini So, yes, because we've been using certain yarns for our book, um, my favourites at the moment. <laughs> my favourites are. Erica Knight British Blue 
and Wendy Ramsdale and what I like about the Ramsdale and, and the Erica but the Ramsdale more so is that for a 50 gram ball it's about three pounds between 350 yeah. and about 390 I think I don't think it's over four pounds at the moment anywhere no and you think four pounds for a 50 gram ball of wool a British wool you know reared and then spun, spun and in, died and died yeah, yeah. in in this country it's fantastic and i've made projects i've used it quite a lot for my commissions so i've been you know often you can recommend you can say i'm going to make this and i recommend i use this yarn and they normally say yeah that that sounds great mm -hmm. so I've, I've been trying to recommend the yarns that i actually like to work with in my commissions as well so that i get the enjoyment of using yeah. it whilst it's nothing I'm worse than having yeah. to work through something you're just yeah. you're not in love with yeah Oh, you're thinking, oh gosh, this is a bit awful. So, um, you know, for example, recently I think I designed a couple of hats. So one for an adult, one for a child. Yeah. And the child version, you just needed one ball. Perfect. And got a pom-pom, I think, on the top as well. And it's such lovely yarn. Yeah. Um, I really enjoy crocheting with it in particular. Yeah, I do. And also it felts quite nicely. I yeah. don't know if you've tried felting No, but I can tell from using it that it's going to felt quite yeah. nicely, actually. You, you can you can gauge that from using it. So, um, yeah, I've been using that a lot lately, and I hope to use it a lot more because I love the colours in it as well. The colours yeah. are just my my favourites. So um, the Erica Knight, the British Blue, that is a little bit more expensive. It's about £4.20 for a 25 gram ball. So it's probably about twice as expensive. But again, it is worth it. And, you know, it's it's quite amazing with crochet what you can get out of, say, three balls yeah. or four balls. So you don't have to spend an absolute fortune. But you can use really nice yarns, still, you know, support the industry, support British. So yeah, that that's what I've been doing. Of my, what's good for me is just using more and more of the yarns. Very nice. And what about you, Faye? Well, mine was meant to be because I've just turned. I was thinking that. Yeah. Mine was meant to be my battered book. observer book that my dad gave me, but actually, I think it has to be tomorrow. I think it has to be the fact that I'm off to see John Arvin and actually Matthew's got a day off and we're we're going to spend the weekend in North Devon so I know that we're going onto a specific beach which is really fossil rich so I can we can oh, have a nice, nice. walk and there's yeah. a waterfall at the end of it just come off the cliff and lots of fossils in the rocks to have a look at and that we're going to see John and Juliet down at the mill. Who are so lovely. Uh, yeah, yeah, just really, really nice, nice of them to give up their time although I have promised them a Chocolate. I asked Juliet, "What's the what's the favourite cake down at the mill uh, for a Friday?" And she said, "Chocolate cake." So, <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to bake tonight yeah. and take them as a bit of a thank you, take them down a chocolate cake. But I think the the really what's good bit is that Matthew will get to see me in my new surroundings of mm -hmm. a different industry. So having come from the waste management yeah. background, and to see how passionate I mean he already gets it how passionate I am about this industry yeah. but for him to share a little slice of that I'm really looking forward to yeah. that and to see you know I'm, I'm going to get to see how it's all done and 
and made and dealt with and oh, I'm so excited. I'm so excited. <laughs> well, you'll, you'll get to see the next one because we, yeah. we have actually got quite a few really cool interviews lined up actually, yeah, haven't we? we have, so we've been busy little bees mm-hmm. um, sorting out interviews and we have got another mill interview that we're probably doing in October time. Yeah. So, so you'll you'll definitely be on that I one. I will definitely. Mm. Yeah, I won't be missing that one. So I think yeah, I think that's the what's good. Expect lots on Instagram because I'm going to be you need photo to get snap your crazy. Out. Yeah, don't well, forget. We were going to take some video as well because um, like Matthew's there to be able to do all of that side of things. Whereas when it's you and I, we're both concentrating on the yeah, audio. Yeah. Um, so I was thinking, well, what could I do? Thinking we could use the GoPro camera that we've got. And then I was on YouTube looking up to see what other people had already done of the mill because I don't like to reproduce stuff that's already yeah. there. And lo, they have done a long day at the mill and a short day at the mill and the videos are fantastic Brilliant. and they've actually been produced yeah. by the team at John Arbin. So, so there's we'll, no point. we can just point people to those. Yeah, we, we will because we? the long day is about eight and a half minutes and the short day is about four minutes, 20 yeah. seconds. And it's just perfect. It's time. lovely. It's yeah. so nice. I'll have a look at those. Yeah, I would because um, the interview that we do tomorrow won't actually go live until September. Yeah. So by the time you hear this, you'll have already seen that one for Truly Hooked Fairy Tales yeah. out. And then in August, we've got the interview with Hugh. Which is from interesting. Crochet yeah, yeah. Really that was a lovely day. We mm-hmm. went along to a, the photo shoot, didn't we? Yeah. And uh, muscled in on the action and yeah. went behind the scenes. And, yeah, had a good time. So that's August, and then September will be the John Orban interview. Mm, so exciting so stuff. So much <laughs> nice stuff to yeah. get our to teeth share. into. It's really yeah. interesting for us mm-hmm. to it is. look at all the facets of yeah. this industry. Because it's a learning curve for us, Faye, isn't it, as well? Because, you know, I've never been on a photo shoot with... Well, I went for one with my book, but that was very specific. But, you know, for a general sort of magazine, we haven't done anything like that before, have we? So, yeah, that's that's like a whopper of what's good for me. Yeah, brilliant. (laughs) Weekend away, good food, nice wine, John Robin. Well, have a lovely time tomorrow. (laughs) So excited. Yeah. So, yeah, that's it. We're done. We're done for today. Another fun-filled episode yeah. with Snorri McSnorri over there. So that's it for episode six, Sure to Shore. We will be back with you on Friday the 2nd of September with episode seven. Hopefully you've enjoyed it. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Oh, did you think we've gone? We haven't. We were so giddy about this episode that we actually forgot to let you know about the brilliant giveaway that we have. We have a kit for the Odaletta shawl, which has been very kindly provided by Anna Pedowitz. The kit has got everything that you need to make the shawl, even including the beads and the hook. It's a really lovely giveaway and she's even provided a little pouch of tea for you. If you want to enter the competition, the link is in our Ravelry group thread. So all you need to do is take a look at Anna's website, which is www.muchka, which is M-O-O-C-H-K-A dot co dot U-K. She's also Muchka on Ravelry. The competition is open until the 31st of August at midnight GMT, and we will provide a winner via our normal random number generator. Good luck. I promise. We're going now. That's it. We're off. Thank you.